got to fight for a lot of different things uh, these days uh, here in the upside down world of uh, 2020 uh, continued plus uh, four months uh, now into the new year. Uh, our friend uh, Yael Osowski is learning to navigate these uh, rough seas uh, as we are here on the coast at BigTalkerFM.com. Uh, Yael, of course, with the Consumer Choice Center, and he joins us uh, each and every Friday morning to round out the broadcast week. Uh, coming to us uh, once again from Vienna, Austria today, hopefully soon here in the good old U.S. of A. Uh, we shall see. And that all depends on whether his little girl can keep her mask on on the travel over. In the airplane, having flown to a few different states over the past few weeks, I got to say, extremely strict on those airplanes. The flight attendants over and over and over again repeatedly reminding us to keep our masks on fully on. Don't take off your masks even while you're sleeping, because if you're sleeping, we don't want to wake you if your mask somehow slides beneath your nose as you catch a couple of Z's. And your travel to here, there, and everywhere. And then they tried to pull the fast one on me uh, that it's a federal law uh, to do this. I said, well, ixo facto law. What's a law these days? I mean, who's responsible for lawmaking? The difference of a law, an executive action, a mandate? Yeah, it's just splitting hairs. So do as you're told. Yeah, yell, my friend. It's always a pleasure. I hope everything is uh, going okay for you in the lockdown state of Austria here this morning. Yeah, doing great here, Joe. We're still uh, about four and a half months in without a haircut, so oh. we're surviving. Well, I got to say, you know, having been down to Texas uh, over the past week, it was the freedom-loving state of Florida I was high on coming out of the Christmas break. Now I'm all about some freedom-loving in Texas, and uh, it's just like a completely different world, and it's amazing that uh, as I got back on the plane, immediate depression started to sit in as I reminded myself that I'm now headed back to the mask-mandated and capacity-limited state of uh, North Carolina. So I've tasted the sweet nectar of freedom over the last several months. Uh, I feel for you, my friend. Yeah, I guess the last time that I had that nectar of freedom, I guess, was on an outside uh, patio there in Wilmington. <laughs> yeah. uh, before then, I guess you could say Amsterdam. I did, uh, you know, get in the car and drive to Amsterdam before the mask mandate there. So that was a, a, pre- a very fun time. Uh, but, yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to going towards greener pastures, freer pastures. <laughs> And uh, hopefully we can continue this on and, uh, yeah, get back to work. Is it is this kind of a sick laugh uh, that you're picking up from me here this morning or just kind of a fun laugh? I mean, it's kind of just sick and sad all in the same time. It starts as, like, sick and it ends up as sad uh, and, la- and then it's just a crazy time. I mean, that's uh, the way things uh, look here today. I mean, you're, it's all in one. It's one package, one emotion, all in one. Yeah, and I think definitely, Joe, I would I would normally be hopping all over these jurisdictions, and I've had plenty of friends who've decamped, and they've gone to Dubai, or they've gone to Costa Rica, and they've just fled all of these jurisdictions because they don't want to deal with a lot of the restrictions. I mean, uh, for me, I haven't been able to step into a squash court in over a year and a half. I don't know if I'm any good anymore. I don't know if I'm good at any sport anymore. This is the bad stuff, uh, but I, I do think this idea of the kind of COVID tourism is something that's going to catch on, especially towards the summer. I mean, we're seeing what's happening in the Northeast. We're seeing what's happening in some of the Northern states. 
uh, yeah, there's going to be a huge influx of some northerners and some snowbirds heading into Wilmington and going down to Florida here very soon. I don't doubt that at all. Well, and you may be included, as I said, unless uh, you know your little girl is unable to keep her mask on for eight hours on a flight from Austria to, uh, I assume, uh, Washington, D.C. or Charlotte or somewhere you know, here on the East Coast, and that's because of the mask mandate. And we see viral videos of this on a nearly daily basis. You know, parents along with young children trying to get on an airplane, and next thing you know, they're being escorted off because their little one won't keep her mask on or his mask on uh, because, well, in some cases, they're eating or drinking it from their juice box. And uh, it, it immediately turns into, you know, an emotional and, uh, you know, frustrating argument. You spend a ton of money, you know, out there, and then your kid might not be cooperating. Uh, he or she starts crying. The wife gets a little angsty. You, uh, you get your fuse lit. Uh, then the the uh, flight attendant isn't necessarily, you know, giving you any leeway. It's a very difficult situation to travel by air right now. And that's all because of a mask mandate that the CDC has put down that many of the, you know, corporate airlines are following that uh, children as young as two years old must wear a mask at all times while boarding an airplane. Does this make any sense, Yael? It makes absolutely no sense at all. And I wanted to go to the root of it, you know, so I had to research, all right, where did this order come from? What science is it based on? So we do see that this is the order that President Joe Biden signed into office on his second day. So he required that we wear masks on all sort of federally regulated transport. And a week later, the Centers for Disease Control, they put out their own administrative order. That's January 29. And from that moment on, all children above two have to wear a mask. Now, this is in total contravention to pretty much every other country in the world, to many local school districts that don't have this, you know, for kids up to 11 or 12 sometimes. And I went back and looked at it and I said, okay, well, that's the order. What does the science say? So we go back and look at, at what's happening. We look at the number of, of cases that have been contracted by people who are, let's say, under four. Let's be very, very generous with those numbers. So if we look at cases under four, it's been about 1.3% of all COVID cases. And about 2% of those have been hospitalized. So that's 0.02% in total. And unfortunately, 52 have died, uh, mostly of other complications. Um, if we look at a state data, like at a place like California, uh, they've only had two COVID deaths recorded for children under five. And all the other studies that are coming out, and they've come from Israel, they've come from Sweden, uh, we've even had some from Iceland, they show that basically young children don't have the same viral load as infected adults. In fact, in, at times, it's something like a fourth of the viral load. The viral load means the virus. So they don't spread it. They're not vectors of, of spreading it. And it makes absolutely no sense to have them wear the mask. And the, the problem is, is that it's the airlines that have to enforce this. So you see Southwest or you see United or American Airlines, and they have to go and tell the family, you got to put that muzzle, put that mask on that child now. And the kid won't do it. And uh, that's exactly the fate that I'll probably be facing here in two weeks. Because my child, two years old, she's never had to wear a mask at anything at all. And we've been everywhere. We've been to the doctor. We've been to the zoo. We've been everywhere and anywhere. And we, she has never had to wear one because here the standard is, all right, we're going to say at least until 12 or above. That's when you have to wear the mask. But we haven't had this at all. And the fact that the U.S. government and Joe Biden and the CDC 
continue to enforce this mandate with all of the science we have, you know, this is not based on science. This is anti-science. And you know what? It's anti-family, Joe. Mm. And I think a lot of people who don't have kids are just kind of, yeah, whatever, shrugging their shoulders. I mean, I cannot get my daughter to brush her teeth. How am I supposed to get her to wear a mask for nine hours well, on a think, transatlantic flight? I think you just should take a boat over then. I mean, what the hell? Uh, you know, could... Well, we, we could <laughs> as long as we don't get stuck in the Suez. I'm all in on taking a big boat. Oh, my goodness. You know, that's that's the response. Well, then don't fly then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what the what the heck? And, uh, you know, all right. Well, with that said, just make sure your video camera is on on your phone while all this is going down uh, over the next uh, couple of weeks. So is it as you uh, travel over it, is it right from the get? go on the flight or is it going to be you know as you travel into international waters and as you approach uh, you know landing at Dulles uh, that they're just going to throw you out of the plane uh, because uh, she doesn't have uh, the math here a couple of parachutes good luck I mean how's this all going to go down well uh, I'm not speaking out of turn here but my wife does work for you know one of these airlines and uh, according to everything that she sees this is enforceable the second you enter the plane it's if the destination is the United States. It doesn't matter if you decamp from Australia. You better be donning that mask on that two-year-old. I'm sorry, that 24-month-old <laughs> the entire trip. It's just a travesty. We have the scientific evidence that proves this is not correct. And unfortunately, Joe, this relates to one of your other big topics. There was a roundtable in Florida. I know you discussed it with Governor Ron DeSantis, and they had all the great scientists from Stanford. You had some from Yale, from the public health schools, and they all put forward these studies saying, hey, we should not be requiring kids to wear masks up until at least 11. And that is that very meeting that was struck from YouTube. It was deleted. Uh, it, it was suppressed. Uh, because they said it was anti-science and didn't go with the World Health Organization. Mm. Again, once more ridiculousness. We have the facts. We have the science. It seems as if the public health experts who are in charge, though, don't want to follow them. Well, yeah, yeah. Have the public health experts uh, lost the benefit of the doubt at this point? When we've got uh, you know two New York Fauci out there every other day, you know, saying something different than he said the day prior, along with many other you know health organizations like uh, the CDC, like the World Health Organization. Uh, they've gone through so many different uh, ideas and so many different guidelines and reactions to this, that, or the other. Uh, of course, we can't call it the China uh, virus. We can call it the, the UK variant, the South American uh, variant, uh, the Brazilian variant, uh, but we can't uh, you know, call it from where it originated from. Uh, among all these other ridiculous things that have been laid out there for us, and now, of course, pausing the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, uh, they did it in Europe with the AstraZeneca uh, vaccination because of these blood clots uh, that seem to be uh, prevalent, uh, well, one out of a million here in the United States uh, among uh, childbearing women ages uh, between 18 and 49 years old. We don't know anything, of course, about uh, these uh, you know, six or seven different people that ran into the blood clots, any other type of health uh, ailments or comorbidities prior to the vaccination. We don't have any of that information, So, but we need to stop uh, the uh, you know vaccination of uh, the Johnson and Johnson rollout here. Now let's put a pause. It's just a pause, as uh, Doctor Fauci uh, made mention of. Uh, but you know, when we talk about the experts and all of this, it's, it seems like anyone could be an es expert these days. Along with everything is infrastructure these days, and that everything is racist uh, these days as well. Yeah, it's all <laughs> under one banner. That's yeah, it. when it comes to when it comes to the public health experts, what we're really talking about is science communication. 
like there's a lot of facts out there. There's a lot of numbers and risk. I mean, everything I just uh, detailed in the last part, you know, it's numbers and figures and not everybody can calculate this. But what the scientists and the science experts are supposed to do is to communicate that to the public. And what they've done has been atrocious. We know the numbers. We know how many people, the one in a million chance. I mean, I have more chance of getting hit by a car leaving this interview than, you know, getting blood clots or anything else. And it's this, this I don't know how to call it. I, I want to say that this is them being overly cautious. Uh, but unfortunately, this is what these governmental regulators do. It's called this uh, beautiful premise known as the precautionary principle. It's taught at many public health universities and science communication courses. The idea is if there is any risk, we have to stop people from partaking. That's why they always try to raise taxes on things like sugary drinks and vaping products and all the rest because they want to tell you that you know they know what's best for you. But they're not communicating correctly here, and it's really making people hesitant now to take the vaccine, which is going to get us out of this mess. And I think with this, we've seen the public health experts kind of fail, and it shows once again that because someone is an expert or a czar, as the Biden administration would call it, does not mean they can run government and they know how best to run your life. We use the expertise or the advice of these experts, much like you use the advice of counsel, yeah, it's there, it's advice, you can use it, but we live in, in a republic where we take this advice, we use it to inform ourselves, and then we make the decisions that mean the best for our liberty, for our families, and for our pursuit of happiness. And right now, you can take a lot of this, but most people, I think, are going to do exactly what others have been doing across the country, Joe. They're just not going to listen to the CDC, they're not going to listen to the FDA, and then hopefully the next time I come on the radio and talk about reforming these organizations, I think I'm going to have a merry band of people uh, who are going to be all in on this, and hopefully we can get some change, because we can't have this continuing on. If you think it's bad now during COVID, imagine how bad it's been the last 50 years. This is the kind of stuff that impacts every single product that you ingest, everything that you consume. Imagine how bad they are now and all the other products. Believe me, this is not just their latest failing. <laughs> There's much more to come and much more to uncover on there. Well, it's good that uh, you know some folks like yourself, among many others, are diving into this a little further to provide this information and open people's eyes uh, when we talk about uh, you know the efforts of the CDC, the FDA, all these government-run agencies. In fact, Yael has his latest piece out at the Foundation for Economic Education, highlighting some of these uh, discussion points that we've had here this morning. Does the CDC's mask mandate for two-year-old children make sense? A look at the science. You can find out more about his latest piece at the Foundation for Economic Education, fee.org. Yael, as we part ways with you here this morning, I know that you and your friend David Clement uh, co-hosts of the Consumer Choice Radio Show Saturday mornings at 10 o'clock here on the Big Talker FM. Uh, this weekend, uh, you are going out on the limb to, uh, well, discuss the ever-so-present topic of climate change and uh, the decisions that are being made across the country to ban plastic bags and other sorts of restrictions uh, on uh, plastic items and products uh, that we use and consume on a daily basis. Uh, break this war down on plastic uh, uh, products in the United States. Well, I, I think that that's the thing that is the most interesting about the pandemic is that 
the second that you had all the environmentalists come out and say we need to ban all types of single-use plastics, you know, the bags at the grocery store, the takeout counters, basically right after that, we realized that plastic is actually awesome <laughs> and necessary and pretty clean. And many restaurants that were able to serve food or able to have food uh, be delivered or taken out relied on these plastic containers in order to do so. And then we saw a utility for much of this. Now, at the same time, nobody wants to see plastic pollution. We don't want to see plastic clogging up the rivers or the beautiful beach there in Wilmington. Uh, but when we look into the numbers, we actually see that 95% of all plastic in the world's oceans really emanates from 10 rivers. And it's all out in your favorite neck of the woods, out in China and India. <laughs> so much of the, the plastic pollution is there. And if anyone has seen the Seaspiracy Netflix documentary, a lot of it has to do with commercial fishing. And it's just a lot of activity that takes place you know, far away in China and India and in the South China sh uh, Sea. And it's not necessarily because Kim is getting her Starbucks cup with a plastic straw. And what we've seen in a lot of jurisdictions, and we've seen this more in the liberal areas in different parts of California and Florida, they're trying to ban single-use plastics. They're trying to ban straws. Um, and they even have in Washington, D.C., a straw cop who goes around yeah. to the different cafes and finds people if they happen to have plastic straws. And really what we look at in this report is that when you have these kind of bans, it doesn't just mean that all of a sudden you have this new innovative alternative. You know, you just have these crappy crap, uh, what is it, cardboard straws or these strange glass straws or metal straws. I mean, anyone with a disability bites through one of those and they, they basically have lost their teeth. The issue here is that these bans don't necessarily work. What we need is innovation. We need great entrepreneurs. You know, we need people who are coming up with solutions, and they're doing so. We have ways to recycle plastic. North Carolina is actually a leader in recycling plastic, and we're doing more every single day and being able to do this polymerization. And I think that's pretty exciting. That's innovation. That's entrepreneurship. That's the American way. And I think the present course of many of the bans, restrictions, um, you know, just because you have your McDonald's plastic straw does not mean you're polluting the world. Uh, we can have alternatives, and I think the market is providing that more and more, and that's why we should really be wary of any of these initiatives to ban the single-use plastics and, and everything else. It's always a feel-good measure without actually providing us with something that will bring any real change. Oh, just about like every other topic in the world. Uh, the government wants to you know, get in on the business of this, that, or the other, and uh, at the end of the day, does it change anything uh, with much positive impact? Uh, well, the answer in many cases is absolutely not, and in fact, uh, uh, oftentimes multiplies the problem, and uh, only if we give them more money and more power will these uh, you know, solutions somehow you know, fix uh, uh, whatever crisis uh, they are originate uh, in our society yeah let the private entrepreneurs and the uh, you know the free markets fix these types of issues rather than giving government more money and our freedom yeah Yelosowski with the consumer choice center with us here this morning again you can hear he and david clement tomorrow on the consumer choice radio show their program airs weekly on saturday mornings just after 10 o'clock you can find out more about what they do why they do it at consumerchoicecenter.org that's consumerchoicecenter.org the global grassroots movement for consumer choice yeah yeah good luck I, well when, when's the flight planned for the states so i keep an eye on you i'll be making sure i'll be watching social media that day when you board the plane 
Yeah, yeah, check my arrest video. Yeah, it'll be May 1st, so we're going on uh, Workers' Day. Workers' Unite. Good day. Good time to go, uh, and I look forward to getting uh, you here to uh, the Carolinas real soon. Yeah, yeah, it's always a pleasure, my man, and good catching up yesterday off the air. It's always fun. Yeah, thank you so much, Joe. All the best to the listeners. Happy weekend. No question. We're just a couple of minutes away from the weekend, or at least here until this little break that we take for the next couple of days before jumping back on the air Monday. We've got plenty going on, though, this weekend. Kind of a cool day on tap here across southeastern North Carolina. One of the coolest in a while. A high of near 71 degrees. Beautiful weather out here on the coast. I want to stick that to you yeah, a little bit more over in Vienna. A cloudy, overcast, and cold on the other side of the pond here this morning. All right, we're moving up into the top of the hour. We've got just a, a few minutes to go. If you'd like to call in and share your thoughts to round out the week, 910-299-7535.